What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smart Out Moments Smack Talk Podcast. We are talking all Elite Wrestling's all-out pay-per-view. We're going to break down the card from top to bottom, bottom to top, side to side, left and right, diagonal, all the other kind of directions that we're going to talk about here. And who are we? I am Tony Mango. I've got with me Callum Wiggins. Hey. And Robert DeFelice. I'm all out of my mind. We are all out. We're all out of time. And we'll see you later, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so All Out, uh, this is obviously a play on All In. Uh, it's going to be one day short of a full year since that happened. And now, of course, we've got All Elite Wrestling. They are building towards their TV show that's going to be premiering on TNT October 2nd. So this has got to be a big deal. And this is something that they pretty much need to have work out pretty well. If this ends up being terrible, it's not going to be good for their momentum, even though they've got all their stuff sold out for the next couple of shows and a lot of people are going to be loyalists no matter what. Still needs to be a, a pretty good show to get a lot of other people invested in everything. And first question I have for you guys is overall perspective. What are you thinking about the card? Does this strike you as biggest show of the year for this type of promotion? Good enough? Lots of momentum? Or are you kind of underwhelmed? it's it's good it was a lot bigger until a couple of days ago but uh that that felt a little bit more of a big deal this one feels it, it feels i would say super underwhelming it still feels like a big show but i think i think it's it's one where we're starting to establish who the top names are in the promotion which i think we all had pretty much clear but they're starting to push more towards that direction now in a weird way, I feel like this is the all-out card they had in mind in January anyway. So maybe they're not missing too much here, but it definitely felt a lot bigger before uh, an injury took place. And I like the card. I'm a little bit surprised by some matches that aren't here, but we'll get into that. But overall, I think it's a pretty stacked show. Well, as far as what's not on the show, the thing that strikes me as the biggest missing element is MJF. What do you think this guy's going to end up doing? Oh, well, he's going to be in Cody's corner for sure. That's it? Like that he's one of their top guys, one of their big drawing points and just to have him kind of sitting around ringside like that's I don't know. That's yeah, not good enough. Yeah, because well, I don't know if we want to just start talking about Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears, but MJF is probably going to turn on Cody. The thing about MJF is that he's a he's obviously a perfectly capable wrestler, but he's there for his promo ability. So it doesn't really matter if he doesn't have a match on the card as long as he gets an opportunity to get a, mic in his, a live mic in his hands. That'll be enough to entertain people and get their money's worth out of his like, side of things at the very least. You think they'll give him some kind of a spot where he comes out and complains that he doesn't have a match and then they have some, like, interesting debut a, or something? And then Cesaro comes out and, like, feels the guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jordan that, Devlin. perfect. Yeah. Uh, nah. Yeah, I think he... he I think... Promo, if anything. I think a little bit of a promo, and I definitely think he's in Cody's corner. I'm disappointed that he doesn't have a match. I feel like he should be a featured person all the time and the other people like 
who else is not on this card that's on this roster? There's some women that are a part of the company that they may or may not be in the Battle Royal. We'll talk about that. But, I mean, Dustin Rhodes, but he doesn't need to be. And Michael Nakazawa, he's a joker of a wrestler. Sammy Guevara isn't booked yet. Kip Sabian isn't booked yet. Who am I missing? Is that it? Uh, I haven't put um, a Sunny Kiss on here. Oh, Sunny Kiss, yeah. And the librarians. But, But again, everybody that you just mentioned, I feel like will live. The, the biggest yeah. omission to me, and I guess they're throwing them into the Battle Royal, is Awesome Kong and Aja Kong. I thought for sure they would be in a one-on-one match here. They did seem to tease that, yet supposedly Aja, uh, Aja Kong and some of the other ones, like uh, Shoko Nakajima and uh, I'm blanking on who the other one was, uh, that they've got some kind of other show. Oh, Shima isn't on the card. That's another one. But again, we'll live. Yeah. So I guess, you know what, that's a good way to start things off is to talk about if we don't know who's on the card, we also don't know who is in one of the buy-in matches. And buy-in, if anybody doesn't know, is their pre-show. It's kind of like how WWE calls it the kickoff. They call it the buy-in. It made a lot of sense with Double or Nothing. Doesn't make as much sense going further than that, but hey, they also have a 21-woman casino battle royale. The Casino Battle Royale thing made sense on Double or Nothing. It doesn't really as much with All Out. They're going with it. I kind of don't like that, but it is a 21-woman Battle Royale. They're going to do the same kind of setup that they've done before, where they've got the different cards, and somebody's going to get the Joker card. And we know some of the people that are involved. They have so far announced 10 people, at least as far as quarter of 5 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon. Those 10 in alphabetical order are Allie, Big Swole, who is Cedric Alexander's wife. So right away they've announced 11, because I thought you might say it. They, they did announce Awesome Kong for the Battle Royale. Oh, okay. So Awesome Kong, I gotta add her into the mix. When did they announce her? They announced her today. Ugh, okay, so that's the difference. Uh, Brandy Rhodes is in it, Britt Baker is in it, Ivelisse Jazz from NWA and previously WWF and everything. Nyla Rose, Sadie Gibbs, Teal Piper, who is Rowdy Rowdy Piper's daughter, and Yuka Sakazaki. So we're missing 10 people. And there are people that are in the mix that we can kind of assume are going to be in this. We know that Kylie Ray is signed. We know that B. Priestley signed. Leva Bates is signed. They're, they could bring in some of the people that they've done before. Emi Sakura... Maybe they can bring in somebody like uh, one of Rob's favorites, Nicole Savoy, cheerleader Melissa, maybe. Who are Um, you guys expecting to be in this, or who do you want to see, or any of the the unknowns right now? Well, let's get some of the obvious out of the way. I think Leva Bates as the librarian will definitely be in there. I think B. Priestley will definitely be in there. She's got no other obligation that evening. Brandy Rhodes will probably be the Joker. Um, uh, in terms of like some wild cards, I mean, you kind of look at people that say, "Oh, these people will be in the Mayan Classic." Oh, they're also in this tournament as well. Maybe Mercedes Martinez is not attached to anyone, as far as I'm aware. So that would be a good person if they can like tire in for one, even if it's just a one night deal. God damn it, WWE, sign her. <laughs> You get someone like um, Nicole Savoy, 
Rob really likes her. I haven't, I haven't seen anything about her to really impress me, but she could be in it. You could put in um, someone like... Uh, you get maybe like a Shotzi Blackheart in. I assume she's not... Even though she's evolved, you're like, she's not attached to WWE as of yet, so... If you if you can get any get any one of any real name value, you might as well put them in. They could get some of the people that like performed on um some of the previous like all in shows from the like the Joshi promotions. Uh Penelope Ford signed. She's not in the match as of yet, is she? No. She's definitely one I'm expecting to be in there. Yeah. And they so, have said before that they supposedly have only revealed about like sixty percent of the roster or so. So I think that's bullshit. And if it's not bullshit, it's very, very dangerous. Like you don't WWE has an inflated roster as it is, and you're saying that you've only got like sixty percent of your roster now and it already feels pretty stacked. It's not so much like in terms of big names, but in just terms of people, it seems too big already. Well, for instance, somebody like Ivelisse. She's in this match. There's been no indication that she's actually signed, but she could be one of those people that's in that 40%. Oh, yeah, she could. But just case of, unlike WWE, they don't have four or five different programs that they need talent for. They've only got one show, one weekly show, and special and the special events surrounding it, so they don't need a roster that's anywhere comparable to the size of WWE. Yeah. But if they don't sign in WWE, sign them, and so they won't have any talent. But you know, uh, I don't. Uh, again, not as hugely well versed in the women's independent scene as I used to be, but I can't really think of anyone that's super stand out from the independent scene that I would like to see, other than like the people that I've already mentioned. Yeah, I can't think of anybody. I don't know jack shit about like, you know, who the big indie. For the most part, who the big indie people are in general, let alone the women's division. On top of that, mm. the Shasta McKenzie, I've heard that name quite a bit. If they get Session Moth in, that would be great. Not the slightest idea who that is. Uh, she's just a. Um, have you have you seen? I I assure you have, but like uh, her thing on Twitter at the moment is that she's trying to get followed by John Cena. <laughs> so she's essentially just like tweeting constantly, saying like. Almost every other tweet is like still haven't been followed by John Cena, waiting to be followed by John Cena because she found out that both Will Ospreay and B Priestley have been followed by hmm. um, John Cena, and they're and she's a an Irish wrestler, so she's from the, a similar background to those two, and so she was just like getting jealous about the fact that they got followed by John Cena, and she's still waiting for that. And it's made it her mission to get a follow from John Cena at some point. Uh. Yeah, hope she hope she gets it, and she's and she's like a fun. She's she's more of a comedy wrestler, but it would be a a, a nice change of pace. Well, this is something that they could have a lot of fun with. They could bring in some comedy people and kind of do what they did the last time, and just kind of make it like a totally crazy kind of affair. But it has got potential for something serious to go down because just like the other one was. Uh, determining factor in who becomes one of the challengers for the AEW World Championship, this is going to be a determining factor of who ends up being in that match for the Women's Championship. Which means, to me, obviously you can rule out a good portion of people. Teal Piper is not going to fucking win. Jazz isn't going to win. I think it basically comes down to Allie, Britt Baker, 
and Awesome Kong, and maybe the idea of like some other standout big name that they haven't announced. You don't see any chance that Brandy Rhodes wins this? No, I think that if anything, Brandy Rhodes will get involved as a supporter of Awesome Kong. Like, Brandy will get eliminated on Awesome Kong, will toss out Britt Baker and win or something. Well, that's, that's the interesting for me is the idea of obviously there's there are options. It's not like cut and dry who's especially who's definitely going to win. But the interesting for me is like the fact that this determines one of the challengers. How are they determining the other challenger? That is yeah, supposedly Rio done. versus uh, Karashida. That's gonna. That's the other match to determine this. Yeah. Really? I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, because I. I'm I'm very impressed with Hikaru Shida from what I've seen of her. She's a very talented wrestler. And Riho has been hit in this. And in certain people's eyes, more, more missed than hit. Like, out of the all the Joshi wrestlers, it's been Yuka Sakazaki that's caught my attention the most. I just think that she has the most, like, effervescent character. But it, I guess it would make sense with Shida to do it. But it just feels weird that it's one of those two they're getting a singles match out of to protect their spot and someone else has to go through 20 other people to claim it well i mean let's talk about that at the same time because they are uh they kind of play off each other uh rio as a two and one win loss record she's the only person who has competed at all three events other than uh like hangman page and young bucks and whatever but the only women who's competed at all three and Sheeta has a 1-0 record. She's kind of not like Chris Jericho camp where they just kept her off the two lesser events. Although Jericho popped up for the fight for the fall and it's, he didn't wrestle the same thing. Um, so I can kind of understand it that they would do something like that. And not knowing how they book things yet is very difficult to predict a lot of things because so far they've done a couple things that were surprising yet. I'm leaning more towards the idea that Britt Baker wins the Battle Royal and Sheeta wins the match against Riho and that they have those two set up because they want it to be like, here are two of our top women's wrestlers competing. It could be Sheeta against Awesome Kong. It could be... Uh, I don't think Riho is winning. Put it that way. I'm going to give a very non-answer here because... Honestly, we don't have a lot of details to make sense out of what they're doing. I think Awesome Kong versus Aja Kong on television for the first women's championship would be a hell of a match. But if you're telling me that it's got to be either Riho or Hikaru Shida, I'm going with Riho to win and Riho against. Britt Baker, because Britt Baker has to be the first champion because she's the first woman to sign with the company. She is really the only carryover woman from all in, and I think it would make a lot of sense. I do want to throw out a quick note. There is no word on Kylie Ray. I know that there were rumors that it could be a mental health thing she's going through and I hope things are all good on that front and I I want to live in a world and this won't happen because she'll probably win the TNA title at Bound for Glory but I want to live in a world where Tessa Blanchard is number 21 
out of in terms of the singles match, obviously the slightly easy one to predict. I think it has to be Riho to win. Even though I prefer Shida, Riho's the only one that's like I, I guess she's because she's appeared on the most one, she feels like she's the most committed to AEW or the one that's got the most committed dates to it. So I feel like they would give it to her instead. I imagine Shida has other commitments outside of it that are more pressing. Uh, the Battle Royal, a lot of potential ones. I I can't shake the idea that I've, I've been convinced for a lot, uh, quite a while ever since she signed that Ali is going to be the first champion. So Please I think... Now. I don't see what your problem with her is. It's, uh, I, I like Ali. I think Ali is good. But I think Ali is very basic. A lot of what we were saying about James Drake, that just there, I see a lot of that in Ali right now, and I don't think that's the best foot forward. Well, so you want to give it to you want to give the ball to someone who got concussed a second night in on <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're talking. I said who I think they would put over. I didn't say who I would like to see it go to because in that case I would build a division around Austin Kong, especially with the crossover appeal of Glow. But that's just me. Kong yeah, does make, yeah. Kong does make sense as a good first just platform champion, but it's the idea of you well, we'll talk about it later with the Jericho thing, but you can't just give all of your titles to veterans straight out of the gate. I mean uh, there's some logic behind that one, but it's also a case of Okay, so you're essentially you have to give your title to the most established name straight away. It makes it very predictable when you've crowned future champions. And it also it, kind of makes it seem like your new people that you're building the company around aren't good enough and that you have to rely on the older stars. Yeah. So Well, there's one match, there's one championship that I think absolutely needs to go to an established star. But the women's title is not it. So if they wanted to play around here, I think they can get away with that. Out of the people that they have announced, let's just kind of quickly do this. Rob and I are kind of in the boat. Uh, or not Rob and I. Uh, Callum and I are in a boat a little bit when it comes to Allie. That like, she's got a shot potentially. Oh, yeah, she does. yeah. Uh, Big Swole. No, she's not winning this. No, but she's very good. Awesome Kong. She's got a damn good shot. One of the favorites for sure. Yeah. Brandy Rhodes. She does have a shot because they are playing this whole like kind of like Stephanie McMahon sort of heel authoritative figure sort of thing. Britt Baker we've talked about a lot. Ivelisse, I don't think so. I think that she's being brought in and I think she's going to be signed, but I don't think that she's winning this. Kind of agree? Until until it's confirmed she's signed on the line, then I don't think she can... you, You can... You shouldn't give it to someone who's not signed the company at this point. Same thing with Jazz. She's a veteran. She's not as big of a draw, I think, as Awesome Kong. She's got her other commitments. She's a no for me. No, I don't yeah. know. I think, yeah, to the best of my knowledge, she doesn't have any other commitments. No, she no longer works for NWI, so. Oh, hmm. well, maybe she no longer works there because she signed with AEW, too. I would say she's a hell of a woman to build your brand around. Uh, Nyla Rose, uh, she's going to get a push at some point. I don't think that she's winning this one, though. She's a dark horse for this one. Interesting Just... that, that Yuka Sakazaki is on this. Could we see an all-Joshi first woman's title match? 
I don't think so. Why not? Yuka strikes me as kind of like in that Bailey side of things where they're going to take a little while. Yeah, I don't think, even though I really enjoy her work, I don't think she'll be the champion straight out of the game. Or even be challenging for quite a while. Sadie Gibbs, I think, is a jump too. That would be a, a big state. It would be a statement of intent behind her if they were to give her the title, but that's really fresh out of the gate. And she, as far as I'm aware, she really not doesn't have a huge amount of experience on the independent circuit. So it, it would be a bit of a jump to just do the promotional packages for her and then have a... She should eliminate someone big to get her like, foot, foot in the in the door. Like if she was to eliminate like Nyla Rose or Jazz or Eva Lee or something, then that's a statement of okay, they're going to do something with her. What? And Teal uh, Piper, uh, she's not even like. Is this her first match? Even? I'm sure she's wrestled before. This is her first match. Oh, it is. It is, it is her first match. Yeah, so she clearly is not winning. She's in there to be like, oh, look at that, it's Piper's kid. But she has signed with um, Women of Wrestling, huh? So she's so she she is definitely not signing with AEW. Yeah, so all the more reason that that she's not going to win. So that's one of the pre-show matches. The other one is just a standard tag team match. It's Private Party against San Helgo and Jack Evans. Kind of working under the assumption that this match is there just to kind of be like, hey, look at all the athleticism. You should buy the pay per view. Which, it'll do that. These teams are fun. Private party's better, so I'm hoping that they win. And I think that they will, too. Yeah, it'll be an exciting little sprint. Private party aren't better than Angelica and Jack Evans. They're baby faces. But it's just a case of... Angelica and Jack Evans are far better workers than private party, just due to the experience factor. And private party will get there eventually, and they're a fun tag team from what I've seen of them they should be pushed quite quickly and Helico and Jack Evans I don't think they have much planned for them they seem like a team that will be eliminated from the like in the first round of the tag team tournament so I imagine they will give Private Party the win on this one but I think it'll be propped up by a great performance by both Helico and Jack Evans the Private Party kind of strikes me as the baby faces Oh, they, they are, no, they are the baby faces. That's what I meant. This is the idea of... Oh, I thought you were saying the opposite. Why, that's, that's the reason why they look so good, is because they're given all baby face high spots. Yeah. Where, whereas the other two have to be the heels that keep the match together, essentially. I'm not saying the prior party are bad, but in each imagination, they're very, very athletic. They're very, very talented. They just come across as a little bit raw to me. Whereas in Helico and Jack Evans have been doing this for... Well, in Jack Evans' case, well over nearly like two decades at this point. So he knows every trick in the book to get somebody over. I think private party's got to win this thing. I think they had a outstanding performance in their last match. And I see no reason to not keep the ball rolling, especially when their first announced television match is October 9th in Boston against the Young Bucks, which will actually kick off the tag team tournament. That being said, Angelico and Jack Evans had a great match against Best Friends. They definitely deserve some spotlight, but I feel like they're largely going to be the team that gets other teams over. And 
there's no bigger team to get over right now in AEW than Private Party. So that is the buy-in, and that's going to start at 7 p.m. Eastern, if I remember correctly, with that whole thing. And 7.30, I think. 7.30? It was 7.30 for Fight for the Fallen, but they had an 8.30 start time, so that might have been just something off. I don't know. 7, 7.30, 4 o'clock. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we already talked about one match on the main card, but I'll take a second here to just remind everybody, if you have not left your comments below and told us what you thought about things that are happening on this card and all that, make sure you do that on YouTube. And while you're doing that, ring that little bell for notifications and hit that subscribe button. Give us a little bit of a like on that. There's a like button. That's how you could do that. If you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor, any of those kind of audio-only feeds, and you can't leave a comment below, you should leave a rating or a ranking or a star rating or whatever those platforms have. Head on over to YouTube and do that kind of thing. We're going to pick up on the plugs a little bit later on, but we talked about Sheeta and Riho. Uh, really quickly, though, uh, recapping that, I think Sheeta's winning. Who do you guys have? I got Riho. Yeah, Riho as well. Two Riho, one for Sheeta. And let's move over to... The Best Friends versus the Dark Order match. The winner of this is going to be given a first round bye in the tag team tournament. I kind of feel like that has to be the Dark Order. There's a couple different reasons why. One being a bye in a tournament is much better suited for a heel team because you can excuse the fact that like it's a cheat, kind of. They don't have to go through the whole tournament. I think that the Dark Order... The less we see of them, the more special they are. And I'm not really thinking that they're all that special as it is right now, so that's another thing. And on top of that, they specifically said that they chose best friends to be the first people that they were going to destroy. And if they fail at that, kind of ruins their credibility a little bit. So I'm 100% going Dark Order here. Yep. Yeah, kind of has to be Dark Order in this one. They've... they've establish them quite quickly out of the gate as being a tag team that they're interested in pushing and best friends have enough credibility behind them that they can continue in the tournament and eventually challenge for the tag titles down the road and not be hurt too much by this yeah i definitely think best friends will be tag team champions at least one of the first three i could see them being one of the big baby face teams that they start building up but it's kind of weird if like they were to be the first tag team champ. Let's just actually go ahead with that. Who do you think is going to end up being the first tag team champions? Private party. Uh, Young Bucks. Uh, we're all different people. I think SoCal. I could not disagree more with that one. Why is that? I think SoCal Uncensored is very much just the veteran team that is always good on a card and gets everybody over. I mean, if if you're asking me who I want to be the first tag team champions, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But they're well, not going to do that. Let's go and talk about that match, because that's happening. It's Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt against the three members of SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian. This match is so stupid, yet I am more interested in this than almost anything else. And it's stupid in the sense that if you've watched the is it the Road 2 or the Being the Elite, Being the I, Elite. I, I get the two mixed up because they're both the same silly type of show. But their build-up for this was like Kazarian goes to Chuck E. Cheese's and Christopher Daniels has uh, 
Oh god, what was Christopher Daniels doing? He uh, the the dinosaur was like his kid's dinosaur figure, and Scorpio Sky was going to watch the Jungle Book. It's just this stupid thing that I don't even personally find funny. I didn't laugh at all throughout that whole thing. Yet, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus out of nowhere fight for the fallen. We're fucking amazing, and I like SoCal Uncensored. I actually. Before AEW necessarily became a thing, I didn't really know anything about Scorpio Sky in particular, but I was always like, oh, Daniels and Kazarian could totally come to WWE and they'd be really good tag team and whatever. And I do like Scorpio Sky quite a bit. I actually think that he's got sort of the most potential. I'm so looking forward to this match. And it's for something that's so, like, kind of stupid compared to something like, I'll just say it right now. I am far more interested in this match than the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. And I know that that's like heresy, but I'm like, if one of those matches wasn't on the card, I'd rather it be the ladder match that goes away. (laughs) I won't go that far with it, but I will say that Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy in particular are so much fun. And I think there's a lot of room for growth there. Marco Stunt, not so much, but he is a fun part of the act i'm the biggest fan of him cal want to chime in are you the biggest fan of Marco Stunt? i think he's going to impress a lot of people in this show a lot of people that underestimate i want marco stunt to be aew spike dudley i like that idea yes oh he totally has to be oh my god yeah but i think he can do it because he's got enough experience under his belt he's still a young guy though so he can develop a lot more probably not height wise but it's uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think it's a good mix because you've got Jungle Boy as the like the good looking young guy in the, in the middle, Luchasaurus as the giant freak, and Marco Stunt as the little freak. But it's it, it's it's a very nice like. So what is it? A boy, uh, a dinosaur, and his boy? Like what? What do we do? What is there? <laughs> that small, medium, and large? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I, I I I like the fact that they're just like this odd trio. And Luchasaurus's potential is pretty limitless due to the facts of his his height, especially in this promotion. Like in WWE, he'd just be another big guy on the roster. Whereas in AEW, due to the the lower average height of people, he stands out a lot more. As uh, weird as it is, and as much as I don't like silly gimmicks, sometimes I really think Luchasaurus at some point can be world champion. He's so good, and he's got like you said size that really nobody else on this roster has right now and he's got a tremendous upside jungle boy should be a world champion in the future as well if AEW lasts long enough he's got so much potential go forward i think he needs to become like a little bit more charismatic but i think he's just got some there's something about him that's inherent that you can't teach that he just has marco won't be anything more than a a job like a fun job guy but uh, for for this role in this match, I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining, especially because SoCal Centered have all the experience in the world to keep, to like guide these guys through a great match, and I'm sure they'll all bump for crazy for Lucas for Luchasaurus. So I'm going SCU winning this. Yeah, nope. I think SCU will win as well. I'm going a boy, his dinosaur and his boy. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the Cracker Barrel Clash. Damn damn, right. Cracker Barrel thing. Uh, 
I want to talk about this. Uh, so more and more, this strikes me as WCW. And in some ways that's good. And in some ways that's bad. The good way being like, it's getting WWE to have to like wake up and it's an alternative. And some of the people are really talented. The bad thing is I'm really getting this feeling like, Cody Rhodes just misses his dad and that's really sad and that he just wants to bring back these kind of like more southerny Atlanta uh WCW influence things like we had seen that he had tried to get the bash at the beach and Cracker Barrel strikes me as like I can't think of a nicer way to put this it's like I've eaten Cracker Barrel before. I've never eaten at the restaurant, but it strikes me as totally like, we're going to go to that fancy restaurant, the Cracker Barrel in fucking Alabama or whatever. And them sponsoring another event like this just makes me go, ah, oh, damn it. Like, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted a little bit of a separation from this kind of thing. Am I being like really, really judgmental here? I think I am. Yeah. I yeah. Think I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah, there's no. <laughs> I'll fully acknowledge I'm being yeah. fucking rude and everything, Listen, but it's like I completely, I completely agree. It's it's really hokey. Yeah, I don't, think it, I don't think it takes away from it. I don't. I don't think like it would be different if it was like they all have to wrestle. Like the loser gets put in a barrel at the end of it and gets oh, rolled away from the ring. <laughs> that would well, be missing the point, guys. Cracker Barrel, the Cracker Barrel barrel is an all in original and appeared at Double or Nothing. He might as well. It might as well be on the roster. Are they going to figure out a way to get it out of the fucking ring this time? <laughs> yeah, fucking Darby <laughs> Allen is going to go crashing through it backwards. This is going to be a hardcore match. This is going to be amazing. This is, this one has potential. Because these three guys all have chips on their shoulder. And they're all going to try to outdo each other in the how can I kill myself department. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's just like the name Cracker Barrel Clash to me. It's like it is pretty stupid. You you go to like an indie wrestling show and it's just kind of like sponsored by Jim's Ribs and Hot Dogs or something. I, okay, I'll admit I saw this on Twitter. Well, WWE's been saying presented by Snickers, yes, but they never go. It's the WrestleMania Women's bite-sized crunch battle royal. Like, they, they the bite-sized battle royal. No, but they always used to do the Playboy Bunny matches when they were like, working with Playboy. Oh, that's that different, though. different. <laughs> I mean, the Playboy Bunny match were kind of that, but if they would have done the Snicker Slam or something, then... Yeah. It's uh, just, it's hokey, and there's a certain amount of, like, hokiness that I'm cool with, and a certain amount that I go, oh, God, I'm disappointed that I, I this is my job. I'm also disappointed that this means Chris Jericho and Adam Page aren't the two interacting with the barrel. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if Darby Allen does that trust fall and crashes through it, like you said, or... <laughs> this is for the Juggalos! <laughs> <laughs> God, a superhuman pops on this. Uh, if this were the more video game-related people, I would think that there would be some kind of a Donkey Kong situation going on, but no, not the case. Uh out of the three people, we can all agree Jimmy Havoc is the bottom ranked, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. These three, I think he's the one that has the least potential going forward. I'm looking at it as Allen is the winner. Janella's got a shot. Havoc has no chance. Janella has to win. 
Janela hasn't won anything yet. Darby Allen got to impress people in the ring with Cody Rhodes. And Jimmy Havoc, while he's dormant right now, can always get in line with the Dark Order. He can do something to present himself as a star. Janela needs to win here. Um, I think the one... I, th- I would go with Allen just because even though he's the youngest and therefore has more time to develop, he's also somebody that I think they see as a hot commodity that they want to push quite quickly. Janela, I think you go, you could tell a good story with him going crazy with his loss record and having to, although I wouldn't want to see him endanger himself too badly in any short way. I know he's going to do it anyway, because that's who he is. So you could do something with him having to take more and more risks or having to go to, up more devious uh, methods in order to try and get that first victory on the board. So, I think for now it's okay to have Janela fall down the ranks a little bit and do a bit of a comeback story later on, whereas you can skyrocket Darby Allen a bit further along the line. I, th- I I do appreciate the fact that this is all based around them being super concerned about their rankings. It just makes the rankings feel important straight out of the gate. People need to be concerned about their win-loss record, whereas in WWE you could lose 10 matches in a row and then just attack a champion the night afterwards and just, okay, you're challenging for the title now. That's where the win-loss thing is. Allen has a loss. And he has... Yeah, yeah, so he's 0-1-1. Janela is all losses, and Havoc is all losses. So it does make sense that like somebody has to win here because they they got to do something, and it really is only Janela and Allen. Allen, if they want to keep pushing him, Janela, if they want to make him seem like you know you can buy into him more. Watch Havoc win. If that happens, I'll be really shocked. But it could happen. Who knows? I'm going with Janela. I think Janela, when they eventually announce and a mid card title. It'll be Janela's title. So I I think it's Janela. Janela is pissed that he hasn't won a match yet. And that is going to play into this match very much. I think he stay he stays pissed that he won't be winning because Alan's winning instead. I'm going Alan as well. But we can all agree that the barrel has a shot, right? Does the barrel have a shot? The barrel might be the star of this match. Might be. Very quickly, everybody, just a reminder of some different things that we got going on here. If you are not following us on Facebook and Twitter at Smart Out Moment, you should be following us there. And you should be checking out everything else that's happening on SmartOutMoment.com because we have more than just a pay-per-view coverage. We have weekly articles. We've got the breakdown of TV show episodes and stuff that just happens on the random, too. Every once in a while, we got just an extra editorial or something, so... Go ahead and check that out whenever you get a chance. Let's move over to the latter match, the Escalera de la Muerte, AAA. Why did I say it that way? The Triple A, the Ah World Tag Team Championship match. Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers. This is something that I feel everybody is just busting over, and I'm not as into. I know it's going to be a good match, but I'm getting less and less interested in the isn't this going to be a great match type of thing that AEW has going on, especially if I've already seen these two people 
or these four people face each other in two out of the three events that we've seen already. Uh, the Lucha Brothers have to win. They're the uh, tag team champions and the Young Bucks aren't going to wrestle in any other indie types of things. And they do have a partnership, but I can't see that being anything that makes the case. And the Lucha Brothers lost the other two matches, so they have to win this one too to make up for that. I don't love how quickly they burned through this rivalry. And I think we can all agree on that. I know that, like you said, Tony, this is supposed to be a match that's got everybody talking. I'm over this. And I feel like if they would have avoided the six-man at Fighter Fest, or the Fight for the Fallen? Fighter Fest. It was Fighter Fest. Okay. If they had avoided the six-man tag at Fighter Fest, I think we would have been okay for this. But I feel like I've seen this match on every AEW show and I'm bored with it. I think it'll be fantastic. That's never a question with these two teams. But they got to draw the line here. I think Bucks have to lose unless you want to get slick and have the Bucks wrestle at Hulu Theater when AAA goes to New York City. I think with this sort of match where between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, based on the work they do. It's a match which is going to blow people's minds when we watch it first time, and it'll be super exciting. And then we'll have forgotten all about it by a week's time later. Isn't that a shame? That's kind of just the way these these guys operate to be exciting in the moment, rather than to make you, like go back and think, oh, well, remember that great Young Bucks match? I've never found myself going back thinking, apart from like a couple of times where they've done matches in New Japan, which are a bit more story-driven, I've never really thought, wow, I really want to go back and watch this Young Bucks match. I think the only Young Bucks match that's ever made me feel that way is the tag match they had with the Golden Lovers. And you're right, they work better as a live act. And that's going to be something that's interesting when they transition into weekly television because I really do think that these guys don't translate to TV as well as they do when you're in the arena. For example, like Undertaker, to me, while it's special to be in the arena, I think he translates better through the TV screen. The Young Bucks are the exact opposite. I feel like they're two guys who are going to put themselves on the back burner as much as possible. And that's why I don't think they're going to be the first tag team champions. And I think that continues here with them losing against the Leach Brothers. I, I think they will lose this match just because I don't see them becoming the AAA tag champions at this point, especially after just trading the titles with the Leach Brothers recently. And, yeah, well, I think it'll be a good match. The, mo- the interesting tidbit is about it is the condition of Ray Phoenix. Because mm, oh yeah, there. fuck. Because he suffered a um a leg injury a week before this thing, just to compound all the other stuff. It's like people took the all out thing pretty literally by making well, sure they were, suffer, were, like, were all massive, out commission. Didn't he suffer a massive concussion before double or nothing because he did a tope suicida and hit concrete because nobody was there? Yeah, it's it's one of the things about especially Phoenix's, because Phoenix does stuff which other people can't do in the ring. And the reason why they don't do that stuff in the ring is because they're very likely to kill themselves. 
And Phoenix can just about get away with that because he's athletic enough to not kill himself. But he comes about as close as he possibly can in pretty much every match that he has. Tell you what, that's really disheartening that you see the people wrestling for other shows before what is potentially their WrestleMania and getting injured. Because, all right, and I'm going to say this. I know we don't have the biggest audience at the moment, but it's the stupidest thing in the fucking world that they want to go on these indie shows and wrestle like it's all out when you've got television coming up. Like, I get it. That's everybody's shtick. Oh, it doesn't matter if there's 20 people or 20,000 people, but it does matter. Protect yourself so that the big event that you're building towards can be in one piece. Please. And, and yeah, I just think they probably, they, they'll probably get used to that soon, but they're just so used to performing, like going all out, funny enough, on every show that they're in, because that's the way they would make a living. Now they don't. Now they won't need to as much, but they're still not out of that mindset yet. It needs to be something that they need to get out of their system eventually. But it will be quite interesting because I remember they had there was that uh, tag team ladder match between um, DIY and the Authors of Pain when Champa went into it completely injured and had to be taken out of. Um, but had to spend time on the sidelines after that match happened, and yet that still managed to prove to be an awesome tag team match. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Phoenix will somehow manage to power through. That well, presumably leg injury isn't that bad because he's still fully intending on working. But he worked the next night, so he's okay. Yeah, it's just the yeah, idea it's of still going to hinder it though. Well, it didn't hinder the um like DIY match, so I don't see why it would need to. Hinder. It doesn't necessarily need to hinder this one. It well, just means that Phoenix will go, could go all out, like go completely balls to the wall on this one, and then be out of commission for a month or two afterwards. And I think, oddly enough, that's okay because Penta is a great single star as well. well it, doesn't, it doesn't serve them well for the tag team tournament if one of their top teams is out of it straight away. Then again, we don't know how many teams are in the tournament. Eight. Well, I, I, well there'll be seven because one of them's getting by. You know, well, I... does it have to be eight? Well, it could be, be 16. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be seven, it, it would be, I, well, I'm almost it, it certain be that they announce the number. Well, we can't be eight because one of them's getting a bye. Yeah, well, I, I know, but I had in my mind the eight brackets because they already announced the semifinals for like the Pittsburgh show, which is uh, in uh, what, 1023? Yeah, so there must, yes. there must only be seven teams in it. Yeah, that's got to be a quick one then. So those seven teams would be Best Friends, Dark Order. SoCal Uncensored, Jungle Boy Luchasaurus, Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, Private Party, and Helico and Evans. Nope, you got seven with Private Party. That's eight. Yeah, so you'd you'd assume that one of those teams would be not be in it for some reason. Yeah, and that could easily just be Lucha Brothers. Well it'll probably be it'll probably you know we would want it to be differently, it'll probably will be Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Yeah, probably. They're the least established team. Oh, it could be Angelico and Jack Evans. They could do something with the um that tag team match team Pro Party. I mean, I know they've already decided that Pro Party are going to be facing the Young Bucks, but they could have done some sort of build towards it to say that Angelico and Jack Evans are pissed off that the Young Bucks chose them to face and would want their spot instead. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they didn't. Missed opportunity. Um, let's see. So we have three matches left. Already? Uh, yeah. 
kind of breezing through it a little bit. Yeah. One of these being Cody against Sean Spears. Sean Spears has Tully Blanchard by his side. Cody is allowed to have somebody by his side. Could be Brandy, could be MJF. We talked a little bit about that earlier. I was going into this very convinced that this was just going to be Cody wins, he gets his revenge, whatever. And I wrote up my Bleacher Report predictions. And I completely changed my mind. I think Sean Spears has to win this. Absolutely. Sean Spears has to win this. 100%. If Very you're cool. Going to, if, <laughs> if, if you're gonna if you're gonna establish him as a upper mid card or potentially even main event talent, he needs to be a top guy. Cody's the top guy to beat. And he, this whole thing is revolving around the idea that he says that he is not just a quote unquote good hand, and that he is trying to establish himself as being a highly credible wrestler that means more than that. If he loses, that proves Cody Rhodes right. If he wins, that proves himself right gives them a big person in the main event scene. Cody does not need to win. It's not like there's anything on the line. There's not like that ruins his reputation. This feels like this is all to build up Sean Spears now. And my whole, oh, Cody's going to win because he's going to do that. No, you don't need the story to end that way. When you've got Sean Spears who benefits so much more than Cody winning. This is especially now by default the best built match on this card in my opinion the work that everybody in this story has done through the road to all out web show has been just great professional wrestling storytelling between the introduction of tully blanchard who's apparently got this like you know old hat that's never die and he just can't get that hatred for the Rhodes family out of his system, so now he's going to pass on his knowledge to a very impressionable Sean Spears. To Brandy Rhodes delivering the fucking promo of her life that almost made me want to take everything I said about MJF and throw it out the window and just have Brandy by her husband's side. To Cody, just Cody continues to be for me the shining light of this promotion because he's the one guy who gets the full package and that's that's that wwe stuff where they teach you storytelling first almost and he just delivers every time out and i'm almost looking forward to this match the most except for the fact of i don't know how it's going to be bell to bell and this is a bell to bell kind of show but yeah sean spears wins in a great match and I'm thinking while Brandy comes out with Cody, MJF will go, no, no, please let me be the one in Cody's corner. Sean Spears is a son of a bitch. Let me do this, please. Cody agrees. Obviously, Swerve Rooney, MJF turns on Cody, and then the beginning of some faction formation, perhaps. But there's a lot of storytelling here. Uh, very much looking forward to this match. The build has been great between these two. I like the introduction of Tully Blanchard as someone who has obviously long-term connections with the Rhodes family. I do like the fact that part of the story is the fact that he feels like he's disconnected himself from that rivalry. That doesn't mean anything anymore, but now it's about helping a guy who's had tons of potential but has never been given the opportunities realise that. And Sean Spears bringing up 
other people that Cody has teamed with in the past that Cody's like got, like gone through and then they're nobody now. So he brought up like Ted DiBiase Jr. and Damian Sandow and people like that who Cody has essentially like squashed squashed in his mind and just progressed beyond. Cody's well established. He's been building himself up really well. He looks like he's in the great in the best shape of his entire career, which is saying something because he's always been in very good shape anyway. And I think that these two, considering how much they know each other, how much they've worked together, how much they've trained together, how close a like real life friendship they have, they're gonna produce something really good. I personally think that Cody is going to have Dustin in his corner. I think it makes. I think it would make sense. Like they had some, if they have some sort of backstage segment on the show where MJF is absolutely convinced in himself that he's going to be coming out with Cody, but Cody tells him that I need like my family behind me, and so I need my brother. I need my other brother. (laughs) And so he goes with Dustin instead. But I, I would personally, and I maybe obviously it's asking too much. Because when you have managers out there, they probably should play at least a certain amount of role, and I'm sure they will. I think it would make more of a statement if Spears beats Cody. I wouldn't say completely cleanly. I think he should cheat a little bit, but as clean, close to clean as you can get while being a little bit heelish in the process. Yeah, I would want some kind of a finish where it's like he undoes the turnbuckle and wins that way, or holds the tights yeah, or something. Like that. Yeah, something, something along those lines. I'd I'd rather that than like, a distraction or interference from MJF. Even though I think there's there's more you can you can build that story a little bit more long term because even though they've done well to establish that straight away about the fact that MJF is Cody Rhodes's best friend in his own mind, I think you need to build that up over a few months on TV because if you blow it off straight away, then and you get that feud into TV, then the only people that will care about it are people that have been diehard AEW fans. Whereas, whereas if you do it on TV straight away, it gives you a platform. It gives you a story that develops that can be paid off eventually for for casual fans that have just tuned in. Saying so that, oh, that's quite that's quite an interesting story. Or that's oh, I want to see how this develops between MJF and Cody because MJF seems really into Cody, but Cody's not so sure about MJF, and this could lead somewhere. Yeah, one hundred percent agreed. This is the part of the show, Tony, where it's okay to suggest that Cody might miss his father a little bit. And I think it's fantastic that Tully Blanchard has gotten this chance to give back to wrestling because he kind of just left in 1989 and now he can come back and really pay stuff off. And I also want to take this time to talk about JR, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur calling this thing. That team, I think this will be the best commentary provided by AEW. And I think this match in particular, they're going to shine because JR and Tony know exactly how to tell this story. Well, has that been confirmed? Because I thought I had come across something that said that that's not the case. Without divulging too much of what I know, the press release says that that's going to be the commentary team moving forward. Tony Schiavone is in the area, obviously. But I've heard rumblings that that may not be how it goes. I'm speaking optimistically and hoping that they start this new deal today. 
or not today, but Saturday. Also, you said this is the first time that Tully Blanchard's like giving back to the wrestling industry. Did you not see Heroes of Wrestling? Like, surely that's his magnum opus, really. <laughs> you, know, you know, I thought you were going to mention his daughter, but no, I've seen uh, Heroes of Wrestling, and that is not it. But, I have no idea what Heroes of Wrestling is. <laughs> oh, we're going to make you. We're going to tie your chair. Okay. Now, now donate to the Patreon right now. We won't get Tony to watch Heroes yeah. Wrestling, and then that's the end of Small Cat moment. He closes <laughs> yeah. the website. He falls out of love of wrestling forever. <laughs> well, since we're bringing it up, if you want me to watch whatever this is, I have no idea what it is. But if you want to, there is the Patreon, and if you donate to a high enough tier, you can suggest things for the special features and stuff. So. I think it's like Tony, the twenty dollar mark or yeah. something. Tony, I'll just say this: Do you want to see Jake Roberts molest a snake? <laughs> Do I want to? No. <laughs> well, Will I watch it if somebody does that? Well, you know, you throw some change at my way and say dance, and I'll fucking dance. Patreon.com slash markout moment. For that matter, Patreon.com slash fanboys anonymous. It's a TV show. We could do it for that one too. <laughs> You could give us 21, or you could give us 22. Yeah. yeah. Just pull some more references out of this stupid hero as a wrestler. While we're on that, uh, I'll also mention the merchandise shop, Public and Redbubble, for Fanboys Anonymous, Smartout Moment, and A Mango Tees, if you want to pick up a t-shirt or some stickers or phone case or anything else that they got on that. It's another way for you to get a little bit of spare change our way. Well, that's actually like a little link, because I, I didn't mention that for the... um the uh, women's uh, casino battle royal, but um, in the videos, it's Jake Roberts that's dealing out the cards. Yeah. Uh, Jake, and Jake people were complaining about the whole smoking thing, which I kind of agree with a little bit. Uh, I think that in 2019, it's kind of weird that everybody is so upset about it, every little thing in the world, yet for some reason, we're backtracking in some ways, and this idea of, like, let's show him smoking and that he'll look cool and... They did, they did the cigarette thing with Joey Janelle. It's like, mm. well, just just imagine what he would have been doing twenty years ago. <laughs> Smoking just, is right. the least of all concerns. All right, I'm gonna snort this coke here. He <laughs> <laughs> got the uh, four diamonds. <laughs> uh, let's talk about this thing. This is uh, disappointing. Kenny Omega was supposed to go up against John Moxley. John Moxley, of course, wrestles elsewhere. He gets MRSA, and he's being replaced by Pac. Now, we had seen and heard and read and whatever that Pac was supposed to be a part of Double or Nothing, and that he was supposed to be part of Fighter Fest, and that they had all these plans set up for this all-alternative thing with Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and Hangman Adam Page and so on and so forth. Is this like the universe correcting itself? Because oddly enough, I really feel like this was the match. This is what exactly what we were going to get. And this, I almost want to tie this into my discussion about the main event. Because the fact that they got Pac in there so quick makes me think that he was going to be there. Which makes me think that he was going to do something with the winner of the main event. But this match, and I'll say this quick, it'll be fine. It'll be a great flippy dippy doodah. But Yeah. And I'm not saying that Pac Pac is obviously one of the best in the world, but Mox and Omega had this like 
volatile feel to it. And Mox and Omega were actually going to provide a different style match than any other Kenny Omega match I've seen recently. And now I don't feel that. Uh, You completely hit the nail on the head as far as I'm concerned. I was looking forward to something different. And I feel like this is going to be at the end of the post show. I'm going to be like, yeah, it was a fun her Karana, I did the this kick and you super kicked me and whatever. Flip, 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 flip for twenty eight minutes type of thing, and I'm gonna feel like Jim Cornette at the end of it and be like, yeah, it's good and all that, but if you see that twenty times in a row, then with the rest of the card by the end of the night, I'm tired of it, kind of a thing. And I'm hope I'm not wrong about that. That is not to say that Pac. And Omega couldn't build a great story, but they have zero time. So now they're going based on their in-ring ability. And again, this may be the match of the weekend, but for me, I was just so looking forward to people wanting to beat the shit out of each other, and I don't get that here. I think the the match itself, the, the if you're going to get a replacement for like, the hottest match going into this show, this is about as good a replacement as you can find in Park. And the fact that he's now free of his Dragon Gate, he's still obviously part of Dragon Gate, he's free of the responsibilities of being their champion, so he can go into this and we don't it doesn't it's not like a lock who's gonna win this one. I think it's it's obviously a great replacement match. I think the match itself be great. I do agree with you guys to an extent with the fact that it's gonna be very similar to other Kenny Omega matches and it's gonna be not as so much like forgettable, but it won't be one that lives as long in the memory as the Moxley Omega match would have been. I I disagree with the assessment that people have been quick to judge that Moxley's injury is due to his work for other promotions. Yeah, he said this was long-standing. Yeah, this is an infection that he developed as part of his like surgery. what his yeah part of his surgery to get that thing, and that doesn't mean it's WWE's fault or anybody else's fault, but it's something that. He had sustained, which extended his recovery from surgery. Because he was meant to recover from surgery, uh, I think it was a couple months earlier than he actually ended up coming back, and that that extended his surgery a little bit longer. He didn't get it fully treated, and so it was just something that's flared up at this point in time. Has that would that have been like helped or hindered by being in the G1 and all that other stuff potentially? But I think it was a ticking time bomb regardless, and it would have meant that he would have had to take time off eventually. So, I just get a feeling that if he wasn't doing all that other stuff elsewhere, that he would have gotten this treated a couple weeks ahead of time, and he would have been cool. No, well, he no, wouldn't have, because it didn't flare up. I also go by the assessment of the idea of if he hadn't been given the opportunity to do all that stuff, he wouldn't have signed with AEW. Or he at least would have waited until after the G1 Climax was done to sign with AEW. That's true. Because I think, I think that's something that he wanted to kick, sorry, to take off his bucket list. A sign that he wanted to do. And if you're going to get a star of that magnitude of somebody who's been in the so recently in the WWE system and has such a dynamic personality, I think you have to make allowances for that sort of character. For certain other people, you have to say, okay, it's AEW and nothing else because, let's face it, all you're going to do is go wrestle on certain indie stuff and people will like you there, but you're not going to move like super high levels of stuff for us. So if you're going to continue working on the indies, we don't need you to risk yourself like that. Whereas it's someone like Moxley, yeah, okay, we'll make certain allowances. Um, That would have been the preferred match. It would have been different. It would have been more physical, more personal. I 
absolutely greatly appreciate the, the um what Kenny Omega has done in order to try and turn this back in in like in a positive direction by calling out Moxley by saying, Oh, you weren't professional, you went and wrestled in Japan. Did you win that tournament in Japan? Well, I won it first time, so sorry that you couldn't do that sort of thing. Glad it was worth it, all that other stuff. You disappointed tons of fans. That's that means that this match can be re- rebuilt down the line with some TV build behind it and then could be the headline of their next show. So there, it, it is salvageable. It will just be a, this is just a blip. It's a very unfortunate blip for AEW in terms of this, but it gives us a chance to see another match, which should still be great, probably not at the same level of intensity, but it still will be an exciting match and it brings Pack into the fold, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I I can't get super into this because of the fact that I was looking forward to the Moxley thing ahead of time. But it is fundamentally just one of those things that it's like, well, I, I enjoyed Neville in WWE, and I do value Kenny Omega as being a good performer. So fundamentally, this should not be a bad match in any stretch of the imagination. But I do feel disappointed. And I'm hoping that at the end of the day, this is a story that we look back on and we go, some things work out and they they take these weird roads, but it works out better that way. And not something where we're like, uh, that sucks that they like the Phoenix thing happened and the Omega thing is going on. And then this happens and then that happens and then that happens. And well, all out was a good C plus or something. You know what I mean? Like. I'm confident they'll they'll figure it out, but I am curious about what they would have done otherwise. And we might not ever know what that was all about. I know we talk a lot about AEW is very... Every story is different in terms of who's a heel and who's a face. But Omega's promo on being the elite kind of makes it seem like when they do get this match underway, maybe Omega's the villain. He seems like the baby face to me. Just because he's talking about how Moxley's disappointed the fans. Yeah. So he cares about what the fans think, and Moxley could play off the fact that he wanted to do things for himself because he's a free man now, and he does, and he works on his own agenda, which I guess can work either way. I don't think, especially with a character like Moxley, he's always going to be a somebody who just goes by the beat of his own drum. A Stone Cold Steve Austin type anti-hero where people will cheer him even though he does a load of despicable stuff. I also think that Pac is going to be the heel in this. Pac should be the heel. Pac's a great heel. And I think that he's going to win, and I think he's going to win because Moxley is going to show up and distract Omega. I think Pac should win just to, if he is like fully into the fold again, that this he needs something to establish himself and maybe push towards the main event on the back of this. Having said that, there's only if you really want to build your company as with Kenny Omega as one of, if not your like overarching top star, you can't have him beat too many times. I think Omega loses. Park needs to win, and I think that one way or another, Park is the guy who gets that title match on the third episode of AEW TV. Actually, screw it. I'm going with um, 
Omega to win because I've just realized how heel heavy my side of the predictions are. Oh, I'm definitely going heel heavy on this. Oh yeah, I'm st- it would it'd still be heel heavy, but we need like I need some you need some baby face to win. I don't think it really hurts Park too much if he loses first match out as long as it was a great match. For a quick recap for anybody wondering, I've got Private Party, Babyface, Britt Baker, Babyface, Dark Order, Heel, Darby Allen, more on the Babyface side, SCU, Heels, Sheeta, she's uh, not really a heel, not really a Babyface, so I don't really count that one. Lucha Brothers, they're more so the Babyfaces in that, I guess, but it's not really a Babyface heel match either. Sean Spears is a heel, Pac's a heel, and for that matter, Chris Jericho. Are uh, we just jumping right into it? Let's go into it. Uh, yeah, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship is going to be crowned. It's either Chris Jericho or Hangman Adam Page. I am not feeling this feud at all. I am disappointed with their build, especially for what it should be, their top match with supposedly their top two guys, which should be the way that a world championship should be crowned. And I feel like it has to be Jericho. Almost. It, it almost feels like a waste. If your first world champion is not Chris Jericho, it feels like, yes, you want to make a new star, but Hangman Page can bounce back. You have a first, you have one shot at a first impression, and your first impression better be Chris Jericho. Because Chris Jericho right now, as a character, is better than anybody else you have on your roster. Chris Jericho, at the end of Being the Elite, cut the perfect promo, talking about how if he loses this match, that's it. That's the death of the Chris Jericho legend, and he can't afford that because he's just getting started. There, There's nothing that says Hangman Page should win this match, except for the fact that Pac is there. And what are they going to do with Pac? And he obviously must have been coming in anyway because they, they booked that pretty quickly. So he must have been heading there. And are they going to build towards Pac and Hangman Page over the world title? I'm going to play it safe and say no, because I don't think that justifies not giving Jericho the belt. So I'm going Jericho, and I hope I'm right. All logic dictates that Chris Jericho should win this match, which is the one thing which is making me feel like it could be Adam Page. Because it makes all the sense of the world to give the title to the established veteran who's attracted probably more eyes than anyone else to AEW, who's got the a legacy that stretches a mile long already from WWE, New Japan, all the other promotions it's worked for, WCW, ECW, all of that stuff. And that's the that's part of the reason because they want to be seen as different. They want to see as the alternative. And what's more different than having a surefire, bona fide, like ready-made person to be your world champion and giving it to the other guy? It just, it just. I don't want to say that sounds like so. That would be such a WCW move to do, bro. We we gotta swerve them, bro, bro. I'm putting it out there. 
We got to swerve them. They expect Jericho. Boom, we hit him with Paige. Bro, that's it. Okay, I'm going to stop an embargo on you doing this stuff on, like, every broadcast you're on. I think there needs to be some sort of... Uh... See, if you do it all the time, it becomes less special. <laughs> well, I've never done... Have we done that SmackDown moment? You did it on the you did it on the Smack Talk. You did it on the um the hot tags. They're all Smack Talk. <laughs> yeah, they're all Smack Talk. But you did it on the hot tags. If we do Smack Talk all the time, then it's not Smack... <laughs> ah. yeah, we should, yeah, we should take a break for a year. <laughs> oh God, I I kind of agree. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back, AEW's already dead. NXT's back to an air on network. <laughs> so... NXT UK did merge, and I didn't talk about it. <laughs> but. The, the, the safe answer here is to just go Jericho because I don't think they're silly enough to I'm not saying that Adam Page would be a bad champion, but I'm I've gotten a little bit tired immediately of him talking about oh AEW is some real cowboy shit. That's like every promo that he's cut since then is like I joined up with the AEW guys because we're doing some real cowboy shit right here. I'm just like, what is what does cowboy shit mean? <laughs> it's just like oh we're we're doing stuff that other people wouldn't do. We're like outlaws and stuff. Like okay. Fine. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as a strong champion right now, and he he's talented. And even before I had seen him in AEW, the little bit that I had seen and the rumor that he was potentially going to WWE, I was like, oh, he'd be a really cool person for NXT. And I'm all for him getting a championship down the line, but they're going into their TV deal. If your world champion is Hangman Adam Page. Let's put it in this perspective. Not everybody knows anything about WWE. Even less people know that AEW exists, let alone the breakdown of the characters and stuff like that. If you were to tell more mainstream people, Chris Jericho is the champion of this other wrestling promotion, do you want to watch, versus... What do you want to watch with this other wrestling promotion? It's got this guy named Hangman Adam Page. More people are going to want to watch the Jericho program. It's just the fact of the matter. And you can argue that they don't want to appeal to the mainstream audience because they want to appeal to their own core base, but that doesn't get them the ratings. And any reasonable person would book Chris Jericho to win this. Not only does it go along with that, it also continues the story of him saying, well, if he loses, it's the end of his career, so to speak. It's not like a career-threatening match, but he's sort of putting it out there. It was that kind of a thing. He has talked about how the whole AEW thing is only happening because of him. He's got a three-year deal, so you want to get the most out of him as much as you can until the potential that he leaves. Because even if he doesn't go back to WWE, he could just leave and do a bunch of Fozzie shit in three years. There's a chance that that happens. So use Jericho as much as you can. Have him be that main big star that they can have put somebody over, whether it's Cody or Omega or Paige or Pac or whoever. And there is still a slight chance. I don't think it's happening. This is the last topic that we wanted to talk about, so I'm going to kind of move us into that a little bit, but there's a slight chance that maybe the big surprise at the night wasn't supposed to be Pac interfering or doing anything with Paige. That it's Jericho winning and CM Punk popping up. And Punk and Jericho would be the 
top match that you could possibly do for whatever the next event will be. It's in Chicago. There were all the rumors about him popping up at All In, and it didn't happen. There were all the rumors about him popping up at Double or Nothing, and it didn't happen. There is an extremely good chance that he shows up and an extremely good chance that he doesn't. Are you feeling like it's a yes or a no? Gun to my head, I'm going to say no. As much as I want it. As much as I want it, I'm going to go with it with a it's a no. And I'd rather be surprised and have CM Punk actually lay out Chris Jericho. And uh, fun fact, he just put up a promo for StarCast where he's actually in a ring. And he's like trying to figure out how to stand in a wrestling ring again. And I don't know. I think it would be a great move for him. But is he mentally there? Does he want to do it? And does he feel justified enough to start doing a TV schedule again? I'm going to say no. I think Jericho wins. And he sends the crowd home a little disappointed, maybe. Even though I'm sure half the crowd will probably be a Jericho fan. I think we don't get CM Punk. But I hope I'm wrong. I think Jericho is winning and I don't see CM Punk coming to AEW. I just based on everything that he said and I know wrestlers talk bullshit and basically anyone who is in some form of entertainment talks does these sort of things to try and throw people off the scent but if that's the case then he do- he does feel if he if he's fooled us and he's done all that other stuff to kind of prepare get people to think one thing and he ends up doing the other then i'll fully be okay with being surprised by it i just i don't want him to do it if his heart isn't in in it if you don't want somebody to come in just feel like oh it's a it's a good paycheck and it's a good opportunity and just come in that sort of thing if he's like he has that mindset again he's like dedicated to coming back and he really wants to give wrestling one more try and do it with a different promotion then yeah totally down for it but I, I just don't see that in him right now. What would you rather see if you had the pick? Just maybe it's just out of like masochism or something. Would you rather see Punk show up in AEW, do all this, kind of go along with what a lot of people are expecting could happen and just kind of follow the trend or are you kind of leaning a little bit more towards me where you want to see the the backlash that would happen if it doesn't happen, and then two nights later he pops up on Monday Night Raw or something like that. <laughs> or, like, you know, Punk shows up at Clash of Champions or whatever. I, personally, just for the fucking fun of it, I would love to see him show up at WWE. Oh, well, honestly, given the roster that WWE has, I think he'd be a great fit. So I might lean towards that, but also I know that he could actually light a fire under AEW, so I think for the industry, it would be better if he went to AEW. It's better for professional wrestling for CM Punk to be in AEW over WWE. If he's even if, if well, whether he wants to go to either, I, I'm firmly still in the camp thinking that he doesn't want to actually be in either promotion. And if he does ever do anything in wrestling again, it will be several 
several years down the line where he's got no intention of ever getting back in the ring or being an athlete. So he just wants to get into commentary and then he could go to WWE and do that side of things instead. Just so he can get the Hall of Fame induction and all that other stuff that goes with it and just be on commentary and just talk. Uh, but yeah, I think if he goes to WWE, it's, it's a big story for like half a year and then he's just back to being a, a top guy there, not really doing too much. If it's AEW, it can be something that's a, a real launching pad for certain areas of the um, like the wrestling community. The hell does Punk do for money? He does like he's written comic books. He's he's got a movie coming out. Yeah, he's done like product like other production stuff in terms of like books and other forms of media. He's obviously he's done commentary. He does commentary for MMA fights. I think so, huh. is he still under contract to the UFC? I don't think I, so. I, I believe he's. I don't know whether it's still a fight contract or whatever. I don't know how many fights he was signed up for or whether it was a year long thing. But he's definitely he's definitely done M- MMA commentary work for like smaller promotions. And obviously, A Daily makes a lot of money from her writing exploits and stuff along those lines as well. So I don't I don't I don't think he's, he's hurting for money. He he's might also be after- a man who saved his money. So. Yeah. He's not for, all those, for all those court battles. With, uh... Oh, yeah. Well, that's mm. how they put a dent. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends how long this uh, thing with Cockabana carries on. But I, th- I think he'll be... I think he's will be fine for the foreseeable future. What do you think he said? We don't talk about Starcast, but since we're talking punk, what do you think he's going to say? He's got a live mic for two hours. I, well, I, you know, I got this thing going on and whatever, and I just don't want to come back. <laughs> that you can't do that for two hours. I, I, I could. Well, I hope that the he's signed some sort of waiver with who's ever interviewing him to make sure that if he does talk about what happened in WWE, this guy can't be held responsible in court for it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. But I imagine he will talk a little bit about the thing with WWE, but I think he'll come across it with a little bit more of a reserved approach than he did from his original interview with Colt Cabana. It'll be a bit more... Uh, there was some there were some problems on both sides and things like that. Like I was a bad guy to deal with. I didn't agree with certain things they were doing, but overall it wasn't it wasn't I'm not saying I wouldn't say oh it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be. So I don't think he'd backtrack that far. But he talked about there were some good things as well. Like there were some enjoyable aspects to it. So you know, but I, but I agree it'll be along a lot of it will be along the lines of people asking him about when he's coming back or would would you like to wrestle this guy? I need to say. Oh, this guy's great, whatever. But I'm done. I'm retired. Don't, don't try and bring me back into it, whatever. Does anybody think that AJ at some point will come back? Because she's been open about saying, "Never say never." Yeah. If I, Punk I comes back, she'll come back. If she comes, back, if he comes back to WWE, I don't, I don't. I guess she could go to AEW as well. But I, no, I don't really care. I never really got into AJ. Fair enough. Punk did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I had to make that joke. It's all awful. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, that's all out. And as I've mentioned multiple times here, we are going to be doing coverage, of course, on smartcomoment.com and elsewhere. And we are going to do the post show after the event. So stay tuned for that. And all that stuff's happening Saturday, starting around like 7 o'clock, 7.30 or so with the buy-in 
So that's after NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff. If you did not check out our predictions for that, go back and check out that. And stay tuned to her Saturday. I think I've done all my plugs, so just go click around and do all that kind of happy horseshit. And uh, <laughs> I'm classifying as that. But all your support's greatly appreciated one way or the other. And you should support these guys on the other things that they got going on. Callum? Uh... Well, if you're interested in happy horseshit, then you can check out 2001 Wrestling Odyssey. <laughs> uh, no, it's a 2001 Wrestling Odyssey, or retro podcast with me and Rob. Go back to the year 2001. Wrestling changes forever. WCW, Death of WCW, Death of ECW, all this other great stuff involving the invasion where we review the news and we look at some of the big events that took place. So we just finished our August edition, recapping the news of the time and reviewing SummerSlam 2001. Uh, move on to the September edition sometime next month, but you can check out every other like monthly episode we've done. They're all there on the Small Cat Moment channel. You can uh, read the power rankings when I eventually put them up, as well as all the other weekly articles on smallcatmoment.com, and follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. And to round us out, I am at on Twitter at DudeVelise and Instagram, same thing. I'll be working Fightful for the weekend going to have so much stuff with Sean Ross Sapp being on the floor at StarCast. So lots of exclusive content there. I also do a lot of work for WrestleZone. They've got tons of people on the floor. Lots of exclusive content there. It's a busy weekend in the world of wrestling and I hope you click around and whatever you're doing, whatever you choose to watch, I hope you enjoy it. I don't. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> 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 obviously hope everybody has fun this weekend and everything else that's going on like that and hope you had fun listening to this podcast so leave your comments below tell us what you think and we will see you next time everybody this has been another smart count moment and we're being counted out ah!